0: Everyone's superpower is also their weakness. And for me, I've always been the type who will dive 110% into everything. I've gone my whole life doing that. Like I get really into something and I go all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way. What I didn't realize is like, that would happen with drugs, that would happen with work, that would happen with things that would start to impact my life on the other side of the equation. You start to find some drug that gives you superpowers Well, maybe three months from now, it doesn't.
1: girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey333. And that's a lot of threes. So let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better. And it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. Super excited to talk to you today. I have Dan Waymura in the house, and uh, he is a software expert, passionate advocate for gym owners. Um, He's helping gym owners to leverage technology. For those of you that are in the gym industry, you understand what I'm saying. It's a pretty disjointed industry. Things are pretty clunky, and uh, he's changing the game for everybody. But beyond that, Dan is an overcomer. I can't wait for him to share parts of his story with you as far as he's faced the things that we talk about on these episodes. He's faced that, that job loss. He's faced having to overcome, well, he's had a bit of a wayward journey like yours truly, right? So, uh, Dan, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I love sharing my life experiences, and I feel like I've got a lot of payback to do in this world so hopefully somebody listening today can get something out of this
1: yeah yeah well I, I have no doubt that they will just everything that i've been reading about you and learning about you since i knew that you were coming on the show uh it's been very exciting and it's uh nourished my soul just to read about it so uh maybe we can give everybody a little history on you could we just kind of give a, a short little bio you know or if you want to uh, take us back to MySpace or wherever you want to take us to yeah i mean i guess the easiest
0: way to explain me is, I didn't know this when I was a kid, but I think I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. Uh, I've always been attracted to in the idea the idea of providing value in exchange for, I mean, I guess when I was a kid, it was just earning money. like I just wanted to earn money. so from from doing paper routes all the way to you know trying to open a pool hall when I was a college kid, I was always thinking along the lines of what could I do to provide value to earn earn money? nowadays it's more than just earning money but that was the simplest formation of it and that kind of took me along my journey through childhood through college and to where i am today with all kinds of ups and downs obviously
1: you know let me ask you a little bit about that because you know you as a young man you had a a newspaper route i I even read that you done brownie sales and things like that i want your opinion starting off at a young age you know hard worker how much does that have to do with success later on? And I'm asking this because we've actually built it into our, our journey questions. When we interview people to work at Journey, we're like, hey, how old were you when you got your first job? I mean, how much of that do you think has to do with the person that you are today? 100%.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, I've never been the type that was okay just sitting back and either not getting what I wanted or being given what I wanted. There was always a uh, something inside of me that was uh, get up and make it happen type person. I also think there's there's something in me that I, I think is 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 natural nowadays. But I I def- I was I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was a kid. I'm definitely obsessive compulsive. We'll probably dig into that later. Um, but I think in today's day and world, like um, the the nature around us is creating obsessive compulsiveness in in everybody. And it, you know if, if you're not obsessive compulsive you staved it off for sure but i guess looking back like i was obsessive compulsive about everything yeah.
1: and um could be good or bad yes yeah. as as we will probably talk about yeah i often say that that my curse is often the people around me is blessing right because i you know i work very hard and uh yeah it can be a bit of a curse for me but For the people that it benefits, of course, that's a blessing. And, uh, you know, so it can, like you say, it can work both ways. Uh, From the young age of, you know, working on different things, newspaper routes, you know, selling browns, just doing whatever, you know, making things happen. Where did your software journey begin? At what point did you get into technology? So I got into tech in
0: college. And so I was, for history, I was going to college right when the internet was popping. In fact, I remember my freshman year in college, uh, email just came out. It was 1993, but it was really hard to use. You had to like log in through a terminal and know all these commands to read emails, and it was basically unusable to the consumer. But during my college life, the internet, like Yahoo came up, MapQuest came up, the internet started changing how we interfaced with the world, businesses and everything, and so Again, because I was so entrepreneurial minded and always like, kind of looking for opportunity, I just naturally gravitated um, towards programming because that was how you got involved with the internet early. <laughs>
1: and so, what were some of your first big uh, tech jobs as you moved on through college? Yeah. So, I mean, I actually, the first tech
0: job I had, I started a company that was building web pages for local companies. And uh, so the the evolution to this, so this is an interesting thing. Like if you're an overcomer, you see yourself this way, it's like every door probably will lead to a failure, which will lead to another door. So my first business I started, uh, that wasn't my first, but for this one was a web development company and we did web development for local companies. And one of the companies we did web development for was this, um, it was like a nightclub company. We were friends with them and they threw parties and nightclubs in downtown LA and stuff like that. And so we built all their websites, and he had this idea of creating a thing that he called Mixture Online, which was, for all intents and purposes, MySpace in 1999. And so we built it for him, and we ended up acquiring it from him, and we kind of turned that into kind of like my first real business. We got funding from uh, Netscape, early executive or something or other, and uh, blew that up with a dot-com crash. But you can see it's like the website company failed, but we acquired the website property that we owned and then we grew that one and that one failed and then that led me to becoming a programmer for traditional companies itself
1: yeah there there's a lesson in there though isn't there it's um it's tenacity it's that uh what did winston churchill say the secret to success is to never never give up right and so some people have a failure and then they call that the end you, know, you called that the next step, right? You know, I'm like what's next, right? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't smart enough to know that back then,
0: but it was just like one thing always rolled to the next and always rolled to the next. And when I was able to look back over the decades, I'm like, well, every failure was just a door that opened to it to the next thing. And I think that's important to look at because there's a lot of times in life, like something just doesn't match up with the timeline that we're on or the place that we're on. And it and it hurts at the time that the, it doesn't work out, but then it will always lead to the next stepping stone. And uh, this sounds a little bit morbid, but I tell this to people all the time. I'm like, unless you die, you're always, whatever just happened that's terrible will turn out to be something great when you look back on it in five years, right? So yeah, um, it's a good way to look at things.
1: Yeah. I always like to say that the proof that you're not finished is that you're still here, right? You know, like. That's probably a better way. Every time I say it, I feel a little
0: icky, but it's, it's, true. it's true. Like, yeah. no matter how bad it is, unless you die, it's probably going to be
1: something great for you five years from now. Yeah, yeah, really good, really good. So prior to uh, starting PushPress, uh, which is a software that I'd love to share with our fitness enthusiasts and fitnesspreneurs that are listening, um, prior to starting that, what was your biggest uh, technological achievement? Oh, man. I mean, I was a dabbler, so I always just
0: coded things. Every time I had a certain life, of, like every place I was in life, I built a system for it. Mm-hmm. So I remember I had kids, and I built a whole, like, Photo book, like way you can upload photos and then print them and all this stuff, and then this thing called like Shutterfly <laughs> came up and blew blew me up. But so it's, it's always like, no matter what phase I was at, I was trying. Mm-hmm. But I would say nothing until Push Press actually was like. Well, Mixture was actually kind of a success. It was just too early. But after that, I hit a you know fifteen to twenty year spra- span of. I just built. I just kept coding. I just never stopped coding, but nothing ever really got used until PushPress. And what was Mixture for our for our listeners? So Mixture was the website I took over from the nightclub company. It was basically an online community for people who were into stuff I was into when I was uh, graduating college. So it would it centered around nightclubs, car racing, sports car, the night the car scene, uh, extreme sports. And I think there was one other like genre that we centered around, but I can't remember it now. But it was like all the stuff I like to do. So it was like, oh, I'm going to go to the club. while well, mixture is going to go, and I got to go for free. And we brought the mixture crew, and we filmed it, and we did all this stuff. But it was essentially MySpace before MySpace, or Friendster even. Yeah. For those of you, I remember when Friendster came out. I'm like, damn, that was our idea five years ago. Like we were like a little, like a little bit too early for it.
1: Yeah. And for those that don't know, I, I think I'm pretty familiar. I mean, it went Friendster, MySpace, Facebook, right? Is where that, is that kind of like this? Those thing? are the, those are the big ones that are memorable. There was probably hundreds of
0: ones like ours in between littered, but yeah, Friendster, MySpace, Facebook, Instagram.
1: Very cool. Yeah. Let's talk about push press. Uh, you know, I, you've recognized a, a pain point in our fitness industry and you decided to be a solution to that pain point. So, uh, can you share a little bit about you know that journey, You know what you recognize, what you've created, how it's helping uh, gym owners? Yeah. So not
0: unlike everything else I've been explaining, like when I was in college, I was into going to nightclubs and car racing. And when I was having kids, I was into like sharing my photos and stuff. Um, there came a time in my life I had been laid off from my space. I was working there and I was uh, mid thirties. I'd put on like 20 pounds and all my life circumstances kind of led me to look at myself and say, like, I've got to take care of myself while I'm still young enough. So I ended up joining a gym. Gym ended up being a CrossFit gym that was pretty early in the evolution of CrossFit. And um, yeah, not on, not unlike on, all these other phases of my life where I took what I was doing in that phase of my life and applied it to business. Um, I fell in love with the methodology of, of CrossFit. I fell in love with everything that was going on in this gym. It was so different than the 24-hour fitness world that I was used to. And I wanted to open a gym, and once I did that, I wanted I was like, "There's no software that I really like."
1: So I said, "I'm just going to build my own software for it." So that's kind of <laughs> that's how South Bushpress started right there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, there was no software that you really liked. You know, I, I can relate to that. Um, I I am not a software engineer. I'm not a software developer. However, I can tell you <laughs> every software that I've had to work with started off as like you know I worked with one company, and I could tell that they're their original fingerprints were that they were first created just to be like a one-on-one training platform, and then another company was more of an accounting software. Another company was more of a scheduling software. And what I am uh, saying by sharing all that is that you can tell that the things that they added later on are like, you know, when a house gets built, and at first you have the house, but then they decided to do an addition, and you can see the addition, right, you know? And so it's like, and it gets a little clunky, a little disjointed, and not to mention that all the softwares that I was just thinking about as I named them, they all come with these problems to where you have to have another software if you wanna, let's say, communicate with people. You have to have another software if you wanna track your customer's results. Uh, you know, So uh, mm-hmm. tell me about the pain points that you saw and why you decided that you were gonna create your own software.
0: It was pretty much the same. When, when I started working on PushPress, there weren't that many players in the space that were widely known. And I just knew what we could build. I knew what was buildable because I was, at MySpace, we were kind of on the cutting edge of trying to build new cool stuff. Uh, So, you know, whenever you're involved in an area of life, like if you're a car guy and you go to a car dealership, you're gonna be kind of picky about the car stuff that they're doing over there, or how they're working on the car. So as a software person, I'm just super picky about software. So as I'm looking at these software systems, I'm just like, oh, this just won't do. I can't, I just can't use this. I know we could do better. so that that's kind of why I decided to build my own. You know, speaking to what you said about uh, you can always see the additions, like building what I didn't realize at the time, because I never built something as m- massive as push presses, it's really hard. And it's really hard to build something um, that can last decades in a way that doesn't end up showing those room additions or ha- end up having these weird corners, like you end up walking down a hallway and it's just a dead end and stuff like that. So, I mean, we've had our challenges with that too. And I mean, I could definitely diagnose like why that probably will almost always be the case in our industry. Um, Short answer of it's this, it's like a super fragmented market. Small gyms aren't going to pay $5,000 a month for software. So there's not a lot of money that can go back into reinvesting into the software. Therefore, no investors are going to pump a bunch of money into building the software. And so you just, you have to build it over a lot of time. And the problem with like, just imagine building a house over two decades. It's like you're going to end up with, like, new building styles, new materials. Like, things just look different in different areas. And that's the challenge, I think, that we're presented in our particular niche.
1: Yeah. And I guess what I mean uh, by the the way that I would discover that, you know, this is kind of like a house to add an addition is I would say that the addition that is normally put in is you know missing some major structure and uh major efficiencies and so um like for example at the time of the pandemic when we all wound up having a lot less staff because people were paid to stay home more than we could pay them to stay here and frankly more than we could afford to pay them to stay here as well because uh there were a lot of members leaving uh it was a a tough time right And so I said, well, we need to go looking for a software that we don't have yet because the software that we had didn't even have online capabilities to serve people virtually. And then we also needed to do more with less. So I was like, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could message people through our software, like instead of having a separate fee that we're paying for like this text messaging software and a separate fee that we're paying for our email software? However, what I found is, just because somebody says that they might have, uh, let's say, your ability to message people. Well, sometimes you got to be very clear is, is it in app messaging or is it simple uh, text messaging, SMS? And uh, was, so once you're clear on that, then you might want to find out are they as efficient as another company to where you can actually schedule those messages and maybe schedule multiple messages, or did they just kind of put on this addition? And it's you know, very bare bones at the time, you know, like that kind of thing. So that 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 was my I went searching at the time of the pandemic because I said I have to figure out how to do more with less and I'd love to find that unicorn that that combines a lot of these things to where you don't have to look elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean,
0: again, kinda of to speak to the the common problems that are in our industry is um when you build something out over a long period of time, like technologies don't exist. So there, there are some softwares in our industry that were built before you could text online. You could mm-hmm. send a text message. So it's like, then they have to retrofit that. And does it feel different? Or, I mean, I don't know, in five years, there might be some like AI communicate from your eyeballs into the into the internet. I don't know, there can be some weird stuff that like a company that's built after that comes out will have an advantage over the companies that like us that were built before that. And we have to, the, the challenge is to build software that's so um, plug and play. That you can drop new things in without it feeling like you're in a weird old corner of the house that didn't obviously didn't exist before. That's it is a very hard architectural challenge, one that we are focused on. But you know, I'm not gonna lie, it's it's hard to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can relate. Okay, so earlier we talked a little bit about uh, some of your uh, overcoming to get to where you where you are today. And uh, when it comes to that, what do you feel has been your life's greatest challenge? You know, you mentioned some things. You know, OCD, uh, you know, different. Like you know, some of the things we can all relate to. ADHD. I mean, certainly a lot of listeners could relate to those couple of things. Uh, but what do you think that are some of the greatest challenges that you faced to become who you are today, which I consider to be a successful entrepreneur? Yeah. Um. I mean, I think the the most
0: impactful thing to me was starting to understand. I think invariably everyone's superpower is also their weakness, their super weakness. And for me, I've always been the type who will dive 100% into every, 110% into everything. Um, And so I've gone my whole life doing that. Like I get really into something and I go all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way. What I didn't realize is like, that would happen with drugs. That would happen with work. That would happen with things that would start to impact my life on the other side of the equation. Um, I mean, I think you mentioned this earlier is just like some things that are maybe great for me are not great for others around me or vice versa. You know, like if you get too obsessed with work, your relationships suffer. Mm-hmm. And obviously you start to find some drug that gives you superpowers. Well, maybe three months from now, it doesn't, you know? And, uh, so yeah, I've, I've had problems identifying how I'm an obsessive person and how that could be used against me. I always thought it was just a superpower only, you know? And the humility of understanding that there are negatives that come with everything and you have to understand how to balance, the how how to use your weaknesses as a strength and how to balance your strength so it doesn't become a weakness, I guess.
1: And what is uh, the adversity, the greatest adversity that you've had to face that, you know, looking back, you know, really where you are today? So, I mean, for me
0: personally, like I, I just alluded to it, I, at one point in my life uh, was introduced to to drugs. And these drugs would basically make you super productive, super focused, I mean, just the ability to do everything you needed to do in the day, feel great doing it, and have no negative repercussions at all initially. And then eventually those drugs basically decay you to a point of being a maniac. And so I, you know, in a six month time of my life, I basically went from being super high functioning to being arrested for shooting a gun in the air in a park because I thought people were trying to kill me. And I'm the same. I'm the same person I am today. I'm not a crazy person. I just went from like high functioning to massively insane by, um, you know, trying to use, use these drugs to maximize my performance or ability to perform. Not an okay thing. So basically, I, uh, I, I got a felony. I was about to go to the type of jail in the middle of California that they send killers and murderers. Like it was a 21-year sentence that I had on me by the grace of God and probably a lot of, um, you know, cultural things. I, I got a judge who was able, who was willing to work with me. You know, I'm, I'm like college educated. I was professional, had no track record. Thankfully, the judge did not just throw the book at me and said, like, you know, if you follow these rules then we can work on getting you back into society. I took that as my last chance in life, um, kind of. And I actually have a funny story we can dive into in a second if you want to. But I basically, uh, my parents weren't going to bail me out. Mm -hmm. And so all of this became really real for me because I was like, well, without bail, I've got to go to jail. And um, and so I was kind of facing the realities of what I had learned from what I created for myself. So. For me, it would have been easy to kind of give up, and I think we 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 can and should double click on this because this this do, there's a lot that comes to this that I I probably want to explain. That is, it makes this even more fascinating.
1: Yeah, well, let's do it. Let's do it for sure. Okay. I want to, I want to hear more. I mean, I want to know what happened when you had to be bailed out for sure. You know. Yeah. Okay. So. Again, as a kind of an entrepreneur, I
0: think entrepreneurs identify as survivors. So I don't care where you drop me, I will succeed. That's just who I am. I've always felt that way. I never could verbalize that, those words before, but I always knew that inside of me. That means if you're gonna drop me inside a jail, I will succeed. And so I remember being in the holding cell and my parents were like, hey, you know, I've always towed the line of like always being in trouble, but never getting really in trouble. And this time my parents said like, you know what? You need to learn a lesson not going to bail you out of this so you deal with whatever you got to deal with what they didn't really realize is i was dealing with 21 years of jail in a, in like a california state penitentiary where murderers go so in my mind as i'm going through that i'm and so i go through the court process and they're like okay you have to get on the bus and go to jail now because you don't get to hang out in in the real world while you're going through the court process so in my mind i'm going okay well how do you succeed in jail? What, is this, what does my life look like now? Right? I, I'm a college educated programmer at MySpace who's about to go to state pen. Uh, do I have to kill someone? Do I have to get in some fights to prove prove to people that I can? I've never been trained in fighting and I haven't grown up on the streets. Like, What do I have to do to make sure I succeed in jail? I'm going through all these things in my mind in terms of like, how do I establish it, a niche so that I'm not getting picked on, I'm not getting fucked with, I'm succeeding in jail. And you see all the movies and that's all all the reference I have is like all the movies the way I gotta do. Like how do I make a knife? How do I shank somebody? Do I have to like what do I need to do to establish myself? I run through all these scenarios and I'm in line to get on the bus. I'm walking, you know, in 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 cuffs and in going into the bus with all these other guys and I got I get pulled out of line. They go, Way Mura, come out of line, pull me out of line and then they're like, your parents decide to bail you out of jail. So I had mentally built the framework for how I'm going to not get killed in jail myself, and then I got pulled out of jail. And that was when I was like, truly, okay, I'm not like I had gone there in my brain, and I'm oh, like I am not gonna I'm not gonna waste this opportunity that I've been given. I've been bailed out. The judge is gonna work with me. I'm gonna do one hundred and ten percent everything I have to do to make sure that this reality does not become my reality. So that's that was a pretty nuts moment in my life. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's really good, really good. For people that have other people that are struggling with addiction or maybe they're struggling with addiction themselves and listening right now, what do you think? I, I mean, I, you, I, I love to ask people this question. It's a tough answer to come up with. But in that moment, you really recognize this as a as a last chance. How do you get people to be grateful for an opportunity that they've been given? What, what sort of mindset shift do they need to have in order to... Uh, you know, close one door and open this other door towards a better light. You know, that really is the age old question.
0: And I think it really varies by person, but I will say this much.
1: If my parents
0: uh, immediately came out and said, we'll bail you out. No worries. We got this. I wouldn't have learned my lesson. So it's like when they say in the programs, like you can't make someone hit rock bottom. They have to decide when their bottom, when they've had their bottom. That is so true. Like, I really genuinely believe if I wasn't standing in that holding cell in line to go to the bus, playing through the horrific things I might be experiencing in the next 24 hours, I wouldn't have hit my own rock bottom. Yeah. So in a weird way, as a parent, I'm a parent. Are you a parent? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if your kid's having, you know, problems and it's like you want to make life easier for them. But in a weird way, my parents saying like, "Nope, fuck you. You're you have to deal with it made me hit rock bottom. And I don't know if they planned that or not, but that is what it is. So long story short, you can't. Like I've actually dealt with people in addiction after this. Yeah. And I watch people around them try to put barriers around them, try to put padded walls around them, try not to let them hurt themselves too much. And I'm like, you can't do that because the more they don't bounce off the bottom on their own, the longer they're going to keep thinking it's okay.
1: So, yeah. There is one good tip right there to those that are out there that that are afraid for the tough love you do have to give at least a certain dose of that tough love to make sure that the one that you love has had the opportunity to struggle enough to, to realize that this isn't what they want. You know, like here you were in your mind already going to jail with murderers, as you say, trying to figure out how you're going to succeed there and how you're going to fit in. And it was almost like, uh, you know, being pulled back in time, right. You know, because you were already there and now you're back and you're given this chance. You're like, uh, you're like the movie A Wonderful Life at Christmas time, right? You know, uh-huh. he goes forward, and he's like, "Oh, I just want to go back." And then he, he gets the opportunity to go back, right? So, uh, that's really awesome. Um, so thank you for sharing that story of overcoming. You know, it's always a a great topic for us to cover on these episodes because that's real life, and you know, we're we all go through struggles, and it's great for our listeners to hear that no matter where you're at. You know, here you are, a successful entrepreneur, uh, changing the game for the fitness industry uh, with your software. Yet, uh, you know, we all face struggles in our lives. So if you're facing a struggle right now, doesn't mean you're done. You know, there can be a, a whole lot of great things waiting on the other side. Speaking of which, I don't think that we've uh, dove deep enough into how push press is different than other softwares in the fitness industry. Uh, what makes push press different? Well, I think the biggest difference is the fact that uh,
0: I've owned a gym and I built it while I was owning a gym. And we, okay, so, so the fact that we are gym owner centric definitely separates us from a lot of the older legacy players. Some of the newer softwares, and I think this is a trend in all software, plumbing software, coffee software, brewery software, whatever, it's like now they're being built by people in the industry. So we were kind of at the forefront of that movement Um, which I think is a huge differential because now you're speaking the same language and the people that you're speaking to on customer support understand you. But honestly, I think one of the bigger differentials also, which ties in line with that is the experience I just talked to you about. I am a massively empathetic person and I don't think I was before. And I believe in humans more than I've ever believed in humans before. And that is interwoven into the culture of push press. And it's less about the success of our company and more about the success of the people that uh, are our clients and work work with and for us, right? It's all about the people. And I do think I only have that lens in life because I was saved in some way, right? And so I believe really, really to my core that human beings are great people. I don't care what your political opinions are or whatever. I still think everyone's a great person and everyone um, has the opportunity to build something great. And I, I, I think that just comes from me kind of like crashing, bouncing off rock bottom and
1: coming back out of it. Like well, I, I want to, you know? your struggle can make you a better, more empathetic leader. Uh, that's for sure. You know, I can be a very busy, hard charged person, but when all of a sudden real life is put in front of me and, uh, there's somebody on my team that has a struggle, um, real easy for me to go there and be empathetic. And, and it comes from a person that's had struggles, right? Yep. Uh, Some people are fortunate enough to where they have very few in their life, and so they may not be as empathetic, but that's a great thing to point out. When it comes to the PushPress software, what do gym owners use it for? Uh, What are the different uh, things that it can do for a gym owner? Yeah, so, I mean, in general, PushPress is an operating system for your gym.
0: Our goal is to solve kind of the problems you mentioned before. Um, We were built after the iPhone, so... A lot of the mindset of how we build push presses around kind of the concepts that the iPhone has brought to market, right? Like, so you're building a core operating system and it needs to be extended in a thousand different ways. I think a lot of that um, product decision is shaped by the fact that I've owned a gym and I'm friends with thousands of gym owners. So I notice like there are hundreds of different types of gyms out there. And then if you dive into one type of gym... If you talk to 10 different gym owners, they're going to run their business 10 different ways and they have 10 different needs from the software. So you can't build a software. You have to build a platform that allows people to take it in the nooks and crannies that they want. So that is a much more modern approach to building software um, that a lot of the bigger companies have figured out. And the challenge that we have, like I kind of mentioned earlier, is we are trying to build the type of software that people have built spending a hundred million dollars of investor money without that type of resource. So we have to be really nimble, really efficient, really thoughtful in how we approach things.
1: Okay. Uh, be a a fitnesspreneur that I am. and uh, so just, and for those that are listening, uh, is your company, does your company, uh, act as a payment pro- processor for people? Yep. Yeah, so,
0: The big overarching concept of what we do, so the short answer is yes, but the big overarching concept of what we do, and again, this is fueled by our understanding of running gyms ourselves, is I want to minimize the number of people you have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Every relationship you have to make, protein supplier, fitness bar supplier, equipment supplier, apparel supplier, cleaning company, whatever. Every single relationship you have to build comes with a, a cost that a lot of owners subconsciously know is expensive, but still do. You have to vet somebody, decide if you want to work with them, figure out their payment terms, how do you pay them, when do you pay them, what if they have a return policy, like all this stuff overhead we want to eliminate. And so the big overarching concept of push press, which we are working towards, this is a 10-year dream, not a a, a done-today thing, is I want to take the number of relationships you have to manage as a gym owner from 30 to 1. Right? right, and be kind of come the Amazon of everything you need. You need cleaning crew. We've got some pre vetted and reviewed by other gyms in your area. You need equipment. Well, we've got pre negotiated deals with equipment companies that you couldn't get on your own, but because we represent all the gyms, we can.
1: So, taking
0: everything that we're doing and leveraging the scale of it,
1: right, nice. to make you to make your life easier. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you mentioned that's where push press will be in ten years. Uh, so. What is the 2024 goal for PushPress? Oh, so 2024
0: goal for us specifically is, um, like I said, we've we've been bootstrapped for the longest time. I wrote literally probably a million lines of code in the first eight years of of, of running PushPress. We're trying to refactor all of that. So imagine like we've got this, a plane is a better example. We've got this plane flying in the air right now, got 3,000 plus clients on the plane with us. And engine's getting a little bit, engine is old tech. We want to replace the engine, but we don't want to land the plane. Mm. So wow. we've got to figure, we, what we're doing is we're re-architecting pieces of the plane as we're flying, bringing it to new tech, bringing it to a more scalable solution, faster, uh, you know, um, less less ability, less data, data intensities and stuff like this. So um, basically just overall increasing the experience and the speed and the efficiency of the software wa- without having to land the plane and then bring it back up. So that's that's
1: a large part of what we're doing this year. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. That's great. Improving the speed and just the uh, overall experience for your customers. Mm-hmm. Those are great goals. You know, I've read that you have increased by uh, 100% almost every year. Uh, so there's some things that you're doing really well. What are the most common things that your customers are saying about you? What do they enjoy about PushPress? So... The the biggest thing, and the, again, this is all cultural, so these are
0: topics we could talk about in other times, but I believe um, culture is super important to a business, especially j- the gyms out there listening. And one of the mandates I put into our culture from day one is customer support is part of the product.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the reason I did that is because a lot of times when I sign up for software, the customer support was definitely an afterthought or they they considered it a cost that they did not want to bear. So I'd be hey, how do you do this thing? And I'm just trying their software. So it's like, if I don't know how to do the thing, I don't want to use their software. And I would hear back from them three days later. And by three days later, I've already tried four other softwares and picked one. Mm -hmm. So um, what I knew, again, by running a gym is if I have a question and I have a gym member standing in front of me and I'm like, how do I sign up this member for this special thing I want to do? I look stupid to the gym member if I'm standing there for 10 minutes, like struggling, not knowing what to do. So we put into place a pretty, pretty quickly a culture of, we try to answer all messages under five minutes Yeah, within reasonable hours, of course. Um, And so in general, and because I only employ gym owners or trainers into the front front lines of the communication protocol, it's like you're talking to someone who understands your language and can speak your language and it all makes sense. So it's like not only get served quick, but you get served by someone who isn't like offshored from another country or a college intern who has no idea what it's like to run a gym. You're, you're being helped by someone who who works in the same line as you. Yeah,
1: we've all been there and had those calls and we realize that we're talking to somebody in another country that ha- knows nothing about what we're trying to do on a daily basis. Nothing day. more frustrating. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty frustrating experience. You know, you were recently on the uh, Future of Fitness podcast and i consider you to be a very forward-thinking person you've been a pioneer in many aspects you know you've recognized what was coming and you know you've hopped on board uh what do you think is the the future for the fitness industry you know if you could give us any insights technological or otherwise um i don't believe in
0: any of this in the in the midterm maybe a hundred you know 50 years out this this is invalid but i don't believe in any of the tech-enabled fitness stuff in general, meaning like virtual reality fitness, Zoom fitness, like all of this stuff, I think is great for exploration. Like if I'm 20 years on a couch and I wanna move a little bit and, and start to ease my way into it, even Peloton, I'm not, I don't see it, right? Mm-hmm. But I can see it as a gateway and mm-hmm. that's fine. That's great, that elevates all. Um I don't think any of the crypto NFT stuff pans out for fitness. I think a lot of that is uh, what we call in the industry is like a problem looking for a solution, no, a solution looking for a problem. Like we know how to build this tech, like let's let's make a problem out of it. I don't believe in any of that stuff. I think in general, human beings need to be fit. I think we're kind of uh, trending down this. Have you seen the movie Wall-E? The old Disney movie. Okay, so it's a little Disney movie where basically it's like the future, which is almost like today, and it's like everyone's wearing goggles in a wheelchair, 80 pounds overweight, but like they're drinking, uh, you know, shakes that are just giving them enough nutrition but playing video games in their goggles all day long. Mm. I think we're trending down that world. Yeah. And I think the, the fitness practitioners are fighting the good fight of trying to keep people mobile and active and healthy and happy and um i don't think that happens in our world without a human connection in face-to-face situations in a gym and i uh you know i will be wrong eventually because we're g- like everyone's going down the wally route so much that eventually there's gonna be these crazy work out on the beach in your goggles in your own living room but we're gonna be living in a world that's so lonely at that point that uh i hope i'm not here
1: yeah yeah definitely what do you think are job is as fitnesspreneurs or fitness uh, professionals to create the kind of experience that keeps people engaged you know there's a lot of technology that's buying for our attention and so you have to do things better than maybe you did them last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago in order to create the kind of experience that people want to come for what do you think we need to do
0: well first of all i'd like to say that's just business right like I always like to think of these old hardware store guys like because in the 70s, and I would go with my dad to the hardware store, it was like just some dude who loved hardware and he popped up a store and he sold hammers and wheelbarrows. Like that person got eaten by Home Depot, but there's still some around because they've evolved and learned how to be better business people. So in general, every year, you're going to have to get better. You're going to have to pay attention to your customers more. You're going to have to evolve somewhat. Um, In the lens of what we're all doing, I think it's about really establishing human connections. Like I just have this really firm belief and this is perpetrated all through push press and any gym that I have opened or ever will open. Humans don't quit humans. And this is part of my empathetic behavior, right? When you come into my gym, I learn about you. I know about you. I know what your goals are. I'm working with you on them. I'm making sure you stay up to date on them. We are working together human to human to make sure these things happen. Technology does not have that connection and never will, right? Right. And even with AI blurring the lines of like, maybe I'm talking to a robot, maybe I'm talking to a person I can't tell anymore. Like, it's just going to drive people to want to sit in front of a human being and feel connected even more. That is, I'm very strongly, I'm a technologist and I'm very worried about like the direction that our whole world is pushing everybody into. And I just think humans will revolt. Like, go into the gym, sit in front of another person, tell them your pain points, have them work with you, feel great when you leave. Like, if you deliver that as a gym owner to a customer, you're going to end up building a pool of people who just won't quit you.
1: You'll be good. Yeah. That is really good. Humans don't quit humans, the human connection. Uh, As far as technology goes, there's a lot of thinking out there that says many of us are now going to live to be 100 plus years old, you know, because the science is there and those kind of things. Do you think that there's a shift? In what we need to be providing to our customers so that we are focused more on their longevity or, you know, at one time, all you did is just use a body fat meter, right? You know, or maybe a circumference tape measure. However, now there's all these technologies that are going to tell you the overall profile of your person. And if they're sleeping enough or whatever the case might be, how much of our focus needs to shift there being a technologist that you are uh, to be, you know, up to date and going where the ball Skating to where the puck is going is we absolutely, you know, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole point of data and the reason data has been the new oil for 30 years is because it tells us the truth of what's happening. And I believe I I say this with again a little bit of hesitation because, like, I don't know if I want to live to 120, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how good a shape I'm in. Like, I, maybe then I'll feel differently, but I just don't know. But we should be using data to understand what is the best direction for everything, for your business, for your person, for your kids, whatever. So yeah, like with with the amount of information we're getting access to and how fast it's evolving and how fast it's becoming verifiably accurate, I do see a path where you could make a decision and say like, well, if I decide to do these three things in my life, I'm pretty sure I can live to 100. You know, and I think as fitness practitioners, we should be leaning into those things as long as they're important to our customers.
1: Yeah, really good. Yeah. Really good. Well, Dana, is there anything that I should have asked you that I haven't asked you already that we can share with our audience? Oh,
0: man, it's probably a million things that I don't want to overshare. So <laughs> I'm a person of many opinions, as you might have already noticed. But yeah, like... Uh, um if you're if you're interested in learning, I, I try to share a lot of my thoughts. I actually spend hours per day, formulating thought, um, refining thought, and expressing thought because I think that is what makes me, that that's my job to be the best leader I can for my company is not to just walk around just spitting out things that I haven't thought about. So because of that, uh, if you go to pushpress.com slash dan, I have links to like my Instagram where I put out a couple reels a day where I talk about things that I've been thinking about. I have a blog that I write every day on about very simple. It's meant to be read in a minute, very simple business ideas, tactics, or mindset on how to run a better business. Um, just a lot of those things. You ca- are linked off of pushpress
1: dot com slash dan. I guess that's it. Uh, pushpress dot com slash dan. That's the best place to find all the links to where we can follow you, get more of you. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Dan, thank you for sharing so well with our audience today. Uh, it's been a pleasure to get to know you as the overcomer that you are and also get to know about push press and uh, you have your insights as well as to where we're going thank you so much thank you so much it's been fun